Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Do we have respect for memorial sites, not just in Ireland, but across the world? And we're talking about this today because a photograph of a tourist visiting Auschwitz has really generated a lot of commentary online. Um, I think the only way probably to describe the photograph, it's, um, it's uh, you know, a lady sitting outside um, the, the entrance uh, close to Auschwitz and I suppose it's a, you might describe it as a kind of a glamorous, you know, type pose. A lot of people talking about the, the inappropriateness of this. But I want to get your thoughts today on whether or not this is something you've come across. You know, inappropriate pictures at any of the world's memorial sites. Um, Oliver Sears is the founder of Holocaust Awareness Ireland. Oliver is with us on the programme today. Oliver, can I just get your reaction to that photograph, first of all? Well, it's shocking, not least, because she's actually um, lying across, I think it's the main railway through the Birkenau Gate, where um, hundreds of thousands of people were shipped um, most of them, 90% of them, to be gassed at Auschwitz uh, within a couple of hours. So it, it, that, that context is uh, quite appalling. I think also a lot of people don't re- realize that this site is the world's largest cemetery. It just happens to have no marked graves. But for us, my mother is a Holocaust survivor, uh, th- this is really hallowed turf. Um, let me give you two stories very briefly, if I may. Mm. I went back to Poland with my mother in 1991. So this is before the mobile phone. And my, my mother was actually thrown off a train that was destined for a concentration camp by her mother when she was five. It was off a moving train. Now, at that stage, we thought that the train was headed to Auschwitz. It took 30 years of research for me to find out that it was probably actually a, a German concentration camp box. But for the purposes of, of this conversation, it's important to know that when we visited Auschwitz together, my mother and I believed that this was the destination of, uh, of the train mm. she was thrown off. So for us, you can... Perhaps imagine for for us to walk through the gates of Auschwitz um, 50 years later um, and back out again had the the, the most extraordinary effect on us. Absolutely. I had a camera around my neck for the five days of the trip, and I didn't take a single photograph. Instinctively, this was not the time or the place. This was a place of deep reflection, a, deep, uh, a place where one needed not to be distracted by anything else. The second story I want to tell you is about um, the cousin of a very old family friend of mine who was an Auschwitz survivor who died in his 90s a couple of years ago. Now, when he died, his, his wishes were to be cremated and for the ashes to be scattered at Auschwitz. Now, that might sound macabre to a lot of people, but that's where he last saw his family, and he wanted to be with them. So in that context, perhaps the people who are visiting Auschwitz today 
might think that this is not some macabre theme park, mm. part of their tour, their five-day whistle-stop tour of Poland, but a, a place unlike any on earth where actually if you put your mobile phone away for five minutes, ten minutes, however long you need to stay at Auschwitz, three hours, your life will not end. But what you might learn is the gravity of this place, its history, and you might be able to respect the people who, who were murdered there. Well, what you certainly don't need is a kind of a glamorous type pose, you know, t- taken, taken outside, uh, taken outside. It, I mean, it, I, it, it's worse, actually, because they're, they're now, now the officials and the personnel at Auschwitz do an amazing job. They're obviously deeply respectful of where they are mm. and they try and encourage um, people to um, show decorum. But there are many instances of people balancing along the same rail as if it was um, uh, uh, some kind of high wire act. I mean, it, it is extraordinary. You do wonder um, how much uh, these visitors have learned about the place in advance of their trip. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. You'd, you'd wonder, I mean, a part of me when I looked at the photograph initially, I, I thought, was it kind of just pure ignorance? But I assume in going to Auschwitz, you, you, you've got, surely you must know where you're going and, and the significance well, of it before you'd arrive there. One, one would hope. I yeah. mean, there, there are, you know, there are different remedies spoken of, mm. um, possibly banning mobile phone use. I think that's Do you think that's of, think a good idea, Oliver? Um, I think that, well, th- there are different versions of this. It's possible that one could say, look, you can only visit Auschwitz uh, uh, with a gu- as part of a guided tour, and that the guides would then... Uh, um, encourage you strongly not to use your mobile mm. phone. You often see no photography you signs up, you know, at, at various different places. But the difficulty is that Auschwitz is a vast site. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's something like 16 square miles. So also, you, you know, I had this extraordinary moment a, a few months ago. A journalist who had heard about my family's story through the Objects of Love exhibition that we had in Dublin Castle over the last few months wrote to me and said that she was visiting Auschwitz and she would like to to place a stone, which is the Jewish custom, in memorial for a couple of my relatives. So I said that that was an extraordinary moment, uh, an extraordinary thing for you to to think of, very generous. Mm. She did that. She put the initials of, of Jan Rolnick and Arta Rolnick, my great uh, great uncle and his son on these stones she placed them somewhere at Auschwitz took a photograph of it sent it to me mm. and I passed those on to my mother yeah now, very different type know, of photography though wasn't very, it? it's yeah. very different there you, there you and go. I suppose so that's that, around the kind of you know the, the, this was the sensitivity and maybe just being being, being uh, respectful uh, Oliver Dr Emily Mark Fitzgerald is with us as well here uh, on the line Emily I know like you've written previously um, about the famine is this something that happens at famine at famine memorials too it is indeed yes this is I suppose what 
Oliver's talking about the sort of ubiquity of photography. This is common, I think, across many of these kinds of sites, which are often referred to as sort of dark tourism sites. You know, I think what's important to remember is that Auschwitz gets over half a million visitors a year. It's a massive uh, site of tourism in, in Poland. Um, it's very, very difficult to police behavior around sites like this. Interestingly, there's a number of photographers who've actually done photographic projects photographing tourists at Auschwitz. Roger Kremers is a good example, you know, who's done big photo projects looking at the different ways in which people are interacting photographically with Auschwitz and folks like Martin Parr who've done this for decades, looking at the way tourists interact with these kinds of spaces. You know, just a few years ago as well, the Irish Hunger Memorial that's in Battery Park City in lower Manhattan by the artist Brian Toll, there was a bit of controversy there too because Instagrammers were using it to kind of do fashion shoots and things like that. You know, really, in that instance, not so much interacting with the site as a memorial site, but just using it because it was an, it's, you know, it's an unusual monument. It's got this kind of Irish landscape that's in the midst of all these skyscrapers in lower Manhattan. Mm. So it's sort of a striking backdrop. So, so people interact with these sites in all different kinds of ways. Unfortunately, in this case, you know, obviously it crossed a lot of, it obviously crosses lines in terms of decency and dignity in terms of how people are interacting with something that is a site of, of mass extermination. Um, but as Oliver points out, it is very difficult to, to control this, particularly at Birkenau. You know, Auschwitz I is mainly by guided tour, but Birkenau is, is very, very spread out. Um, and so you do, unfortunately, witness these kinds of uh, behaviours and, and people are behaving this way. What have you witnessed then at, at family mem- memorials here? Well, a sort of variance. I think in Ireland, particularly probably in Ireland, people are much more aware of the sort of sacred night site or the sacredness of many of these sorts of sites. So you don't really see that so much. It's more so probably in kind of urban contexts where, you know, people may stumble onto a memorial and not maybe know what it's for. Um, A good example would be the famine memorial that's in Boston as well. Now, that famine memorial is actually located right next to a Subway sandwich shop. So it's not uncommon that at lunchtime you'll see people sitting there munching on their footlongs. Um, right in the shadow of, of the famine memorial, the really kind of oblivious, memorial, yeah, yeah right. oblivious to what it is, you know. So in in those cases, I think it's this probably isn't intentional disrespect, yeah. but it's people being more kind of unaware, just unaware. You know, Auschwitz, yeah, yeah okay. unaware. The Auschwitz is a little bit different. I think that has more to do with the way that people are constantly mediating their experiences through photography okay. because of the accessibility of mobiles and things like that. I see a text from Morris. He says people taking provocative pictures at the Molly Malone statue. I find very offensive. I think it's dreadfully disrespectful behaviour says Morris Mark is with us on the line Mark do you think um, we should maybe look to well not necessarily ban phones at memorial sites but should should people be allowed to take photography at you know at every memorial site well uh, I don't believe that, that, that there should be a rule that people are stopped from actually um, taking their phone privately owned devices onto these sites I think it should be common sense to not make um, I, I suppose maybe a mockery to, to the monuments of people who have gone before. And, I mean, I think the, room, the, the root cause of it, of, of all of this today in society, is that we live in a hollow, kind of superficial validation um, kind of society made up of likes and shares and clout because of numbers of followers. Uh, this kind of rubbish has permeated almost every aspect of our younger generation. Um, and like, I don't know, place of remembrance, aren't, don't, they don't register with younger people because of their moral compass is largely corrupted by today's so-called values. What about you, David? Do you, do, do you agree with um, possibly banning phones at memorial sites? 
Have we got David? No, we'll try and come back maybe to, to David. A listener here says, um, people, where is the, the, oh yeah. Um, is it not more about phone etiquette than banning phones? Asks Jenny in Longford. People have no phone etiquette. I saw a woman answer her phone at the post office counter this morning. They do it at the checkouts and in churches. No manners, says Jenny. David says phones should not be banned at memorial sites. The recent Auschwitz selfie saga is a reflection of how insensitive, uneducated and unaware some individuals are. A phone doesn't change this. It'll only uh, it'll only amplify it. Uh, Oliver, just maybe on a final word to you, like, is it just, I mean, how, how do you, like, what do you just say to people? Just maybe, you know, be a little bit more sensitive. Do, do people even need to be told that? Well, I think they do. Um, if you if you are if you find yourself at Auschwitz, so it, you know it's it's a dedicated venue. It's not in the middle of anywhere. You have to go to Auschwitz, and you think that it's appropriate to use your phone uh, to promote yourself, then uh, perhaps at that site we have to intervene and say. Um, you know, at, at Auschwitz, photography is strictly um, forbidden. Mm. I don't know. I don't have the answers. I've given you an example. Of yeah, no, how, I know. How, you know, it's very, it's very, very difficult. But it's, it is deeply upsetting. And perhaps uh, in some cases, you, you, you have to intervene and say, no, I'm, I'm sorry, you, you can't bring your phone or you put phones in lockers. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. Look, it's it's a photograph. It's um it's it's circulating online and been a lot of reaction to it. But uh, um lunchtime live at newstalk.com is the email address if you want to get in touch with us. If you've a view on this today, I mean like the, the inappropriate areas or places, memorial sites where you've noticed people taking insensitive photographs, do let us know. Oh eight seven fourteen hundred one oh six. We'll leave it there for the moment. Um Oliver Sears, Dr. Emily Mark Fitzgerald and Mark as well. Thank you for getting in contact with us. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.